Welcome back, or welcome, whatever the case may be for you, to Leading Matters, where we talk about, where I talk about, because there's really no we. Well, then my guests are we, I guess. So we talk about the matters that impact leadership and the fact that leadership absolutely does matter. I'm thrilled with today's conversation. You know what? I take that back. I've been thrilled with every conversation I've had so far. I have about, this is probably episode three or four, depending upon the order in which I post these, Uh, but I've done four of them, and I cannot tell you how fulfilling it's been for me professionally. I've learned, I was just on this call, and I'll introduce my guest in a second, but I was furiously taking some notes because uh, some of the, the wisdom being shared is pertinent to me and what I'm trying to do with my career and my company and my efforts. So I'm hoping that you gain as much value out of these. I mean, that's my hope. Look, it's a win for me one way or the other because I'm gaining the value, but my desire is to create things that are helpful to those that choose to spend their time listening or reading or watching whatever that I'm producing. So why why am I so excited about today's? Because today I'm talking to Tiffany Satter. She is the founder and president of a firm, a marketing services firm in Indianapolis. The name of the firm is Element3. You can look at them at element3.com. And they are probably, they're, they're a HubSpot-oriented agency. And what that means is, if you don't know HubSpot, HubSpot is an inbound software, uh, marketing automation software. And Tiffany leverages, her firm leverages um, HubSpot as part of their, their execution. So in other words, they're basically using HubSpot as the marketing automation element of what they do. But they do so much more than just help a company understand how to use that software. Uh, They take a very uh, specific approach into helping leaders of all types, of all businesses, across businesses of all sizes, understand exactly how to tell the story of the impact that their product or their service has in the marketplace beyond just the simple transaction and well into the very identity of who that company is. And what you're going to hear today is Tiffany talks about what that really means. In other words, that's an idealistic approach or, or message sometimes, and it's easy to talk about. What her company does is they you know, roll up their sleeves and get down to brass tacks to help companies that want to head in that direction understand straight up exactly where the risks are, the fact that not everything's going to succeed out of the gate, how to improve, how to measure that performance, how to inject that direction into the very culture and essence of the organization. I mean, they literally do it all, and they've been growing very well over the past three years. I think they're double in size since I met them in 2012, 2013. So, um, and oh, by the way, they have a conference in Indianapolis area on June 22nd. I think it's called Go Inbound. Uh, you could just look up Go Inbound, you'll find it. But anyway, without further ado, uh, do me a favor. This is, runs about 15 minutes. You know, put it on your iPad or iPad or, or, or download it on your machine. Give yourself 15 minutes. I guarantee you, if you're running a marketing group, if you're running a business of any shape, form, or size, you're going to gain some value in what Tiffany Satter has to say. Enjoy. All right, today I'm joined with Tiffany Satter. Tiffany runs, actually, is the founder and the president of Element Three. They're located in outside of Indianapolis in Indiana. Uh, actually one of the most aggressive brand agencies that I've come across. I always say that uh, with Element 3, you have a New York-style approach with, with Midwest values. So that's what I love about Element 3, among other things. So first things first, Tiffany, thanks for taking time out of your day to join me. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, um, 
like I said in, in the intro here, I love the approach that you take with your clients. And it is definitely, in, at least from my perspective, skewed towards improving your client's brand, their voice in the marketplace, who they are. I guess the first question I have for you, can you explain why that, you, that you've chosen to, to lead Element 3 in that direction with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we have really spent the last few years getting really, cl- really clear about what our why is as an entity, as a company, what's Element 3 sort of reason for being. And where we really came to is that we want to write bold stories and we want to work with companies that have the intent and are set to really resource writing a bold story in the marketplace. And as marketers, you know, we have a ton of channels that we can now send messages through. Like it seems like there's like 500 that are added every single week in the different mediums that we can use to interact with consumers. But consumers have more choice than ever. And so with that, we really feel like if we're not taking a really bold story to the marketplace, we're going to have a really hard time helping our customers be measurably successful. So we got to a place where, you know, 100% of clients are coming to us saying, we'd like for you to do our marketing so that we can have a positive ROI. And for us to really feel comfortable accepting that challenge and accepting responsibility for helping get results in the marketplace, we really decided that the single filter that if we believe that company has a bold story to tell in the marketplace, if they meet that criteria and are willing to invest at the level that it takes to make that happen, we have a pretty good shot of helping them win. Um, but if they're not willing to take chance, if they're not willing to, you know, sort of step outside the box, if they're not willing to sort of wear risk a little bit, um, it's going to really feel me too. And we're going to be caught up and our client's brand is going to be caught up in this, tidal wave of sameness. Um, and it's difficult to sort of have the guts to stand out. And it's difficult to take risks when others in the marketplace maybe aren't doing what it is that you're going to go to market and do. And um, we found that when we understand that story and we do our homework and really understanding not just intellectually what our clients, customers really want from them, but really deeply from an emotional standpoint, that we're able to make that connection really effectively. And uh, and it, selfishly, it makes the work really, really interesting for us. Um, and as in lots of industries today, one of my biggest challenges is making sure that I can attract top, top talent. And one way that I'm able to do that is by bringing them great work. And so um, selfishly, that's another reason why we like to do it. So makes it fun. Sure. No, that makes good sense. And actually, wow, you, you, you pack so much in that. I mean, that's, uh, again, this is why I, I really love talking to you and I love your work because I, I think few, especially agencies, take that approach. And, and I, I guess the question I would have is because you take this approach, do you, are your clients that, that work with you, are they predisposed towards wanting to solve that strategy puzzle through an improved focus on, on branding, a, a discussion of who they are, the story, that remarkable story they want to tell, or do you have to invest time in kind of making them see the light? Like, which is it? Um, you know, I think we've found that when we have to spend a lot of energy teaching them, if there's not really this aha moment for them where they start to translate, the reason I can't be successful is not because I'm not doing the right tactics. The reason I'm not successful is because I'm not sending the right message through those tactics. If we can't see a real sort of gut level acceptance of that, um, 
we're going to be kind of fighting gravity through the duration of the relationship. And so we've learned to really step away if we can't really see that they're making that connection. But on the other side of it, you know, we find we do really well with companies that have really aggressive um, business goals and sort of aggressive cultures. And I don't mean that in like a sort of like yelling and you know, like heightened sense of things, but they have kind of this posture of, you know, it's not over till we win. And when, and that maps really sort of nicely to the way that we approach the world, which is, you know, if we're going to do this, we're sort of in it to win it. And we find if they come to us with that attitude, there's a sort of implied openness with that too and saying, look, we're trusting you because you guys know more about marketing than we do. We're trusting you because we believe you know how to do things that we don't know how to do. And so with that, they're willing to take some sort of rotations with us. And once the work is successful in the market, then they start to really understand it. So um, if they don't inherently know that brand is part of it, there at least has to be a real common denominator of, I think, an implied trust that they're hiring us because they think that we really know what to do and they don't. So. No, I get that. And it's funny because I have been running a little bit lately about a lot of a lot of business leaders almost get frozen by inaction uh, when they, they know and they have a sense that, hey, they have to be a little bit more engaged. They have to be a little bit more uh, emotional, if you will, about the story they're telling. You know, they trust their ta- they trust their immediate return tactics, but they almost are frozen by fear and inaction when they look at a content or inbound approach because it, inquir- it requires so much more work uh, and it, it's a longer term investment for many companies. I guess you know. I'm, I guess I'm curious. Do you do you run into that with some of your clients? Like they want to go this down this direction, but they're kind of afraid and don't know where to start. Um, and then, how do you get them started if that's the case? Yeah. So I I tell this story a lot, and um, when we're first engaging with clients or in the sort of biz dev process with them, that when I've been running Element Three for ten years, and when I was in the first year of running Element Three, and I put together my pro forma business plan, my financials. I was guessing, right? Like, I hope that's what happened. I had assumptions that built to saying, I think that this can happen, but I didn't have any historical activity to be able to look at trends or what did and didn't work. And so we were really iterating really fast in the market. Fast forward 10 years into this, my business plan for 2015, you know, I think the last couple of years we've been within 2% of plan because I figured out what is the predictable part of my business and how we can scale and what it takes. And I have hist- historical trend lines I can look at to see what is going to probably happen, right? So whenever we start a new initiative, I think what people think is you're going to roll out of bed and the first plan you put together, you're going to be able to have the confidence interval that you do at your 10. And what we have to act, you know, really educate around is while there are rules of thumb, there are best practices, there are um, common expectations we can bring to your industry and to your marketing program. If you haven't spent the last several years really investing in understanding what are the baselines that are true for your brand and your marketplace with your customers, with your reach, with where your product life cycles are, with where your geography exists, you know, there's a lot of very specific factors that create the right perfect formula for that company, it takes time to perfect that in the same way that it takes time to perfect that from a business planning perspective. So I think many times um, 
business owners wrongly look at marketing as a spigot that they can turn on and off sort of as they need it from a business perspective. And it's, it doesn't work that way sort of on a overall arc. There's certainly campaigns that we can run to drive short-term returns, but um, it doesn't really work that way. So I think we spend time investing in saying we are going to be less right in year one than we're going to be in year two, than we're going to be in year three. And it's about building those trend lines and that confidence interval and having the right tools in place so that we can really understand what's happening and quickly abandon those things that aren't working and reinvest that money in things that are. Um, and when they start to understand that um, while there's certainly expertise we all bring to the table, we're customizing to the peculiarities of their situation, um, they start to accept and understand that there is experimentation that needs to happen. And that's really where the best marketing happens. And when we're not afraid, afraid to fail in front of a client, we aren't afraid to keep trying. And I think our best clients also understand that campaigns that we execute that don't work is part of the learning process. And um, it keeps us pushing the envelope of how we can take their bold story to the market. Is this a discussion? I mean, do you have this discussion with them right up front or is it somewhere like so it's a new client you know, you've, you've developed the business now you're close to or you've signed uh, the deal with them right is this a discussion that happens is it, is it a maturing discussion because they're they're kind of learning along the way or is it something you have right up front as kind of a conditional expectation of what your delivery process is going to look like yeah i think for us it's pre-contract discussion i mean i think if we're having this on the other side of the con on sort of after the contract is closed um, you know, that we probably haven't done our jobs very well. So, you know, we're trying to minimize surprises in every way that we can so that the vision we're both painting in our mind's eye of what it's going to look like to work together on the other side of a contract is as sort of clear a picture as we can both paint for one another. And, um, you know, we've learned to be really open with people and really in some ways to swing the pendulum to being like, this is going to be really hard for a while. We're probably going to not know what to do for a long time and make it a worse picture than it's going to be really in reality. Because we want them to understand this isn't a Hail Mary. This is a strategic investment in your business, a strategic decision in your brand. And um, if we're playing all of the time, the sort of the short game, I we're never going to really make the strides the brand needs to make in the marketplace from a long-term perspective. And, you know, I'm I'm talking a little in an idyllic situation, and we understand that every single business, um, while we're all trying to paint a long-term arc for our companies and our brands, there are still, we have to, you know, write payroll checks every 14 days. We have to close the month out. Some of our clients are hit, trying to hit quarterly earnings um, marks. So there's the realities of business that force near-term decision-making and, and campaigns that can drive really short-term results. And we understand that sort of at times those are competing forces in business. But if they're only looking for that short-term gain and that short-term win, we're probably not the right agency for them. But we get that those sometimes are intertwined. They're often intertwined. You know, another thing that I've been talking to, uh, you know, in this series and a couple other things I've been doing lately is, uh, and this is more my opinion, but I'm, I'm asking a lot of people that I speak with to get their perspective on it. 
that marketing as a discipline is approached from one of two ways, in my opinion. And I, I'd be curious, let me tell you what they are, and I'll be curious to get your two cents on it. In one aspect, it seems a very tactical necessity of simply driving some kind of actionable trans, transaction-oriented demand, right? In other words, it's almost like a precursor to advertising for many people, uh, you know, formalized communication, things like that. The other, you know, perspective that I see leaders take, and, and in my opinion, this is a much more successful approach to it, is that it becomes the it becomes the driving force around the conversation of strategy. In other words, it's not the sole proprietor of strategy within an organization, but it certainly is the one that fo continuously forces the conversation and then makes the organization look internally to see, hey, are we transitioning the strategy all the way down to the most discrete operational tactic, and then how are we also transitioning it in the other direction to communicate correctly in the marketplace. I mean, do you agree with those two perspectives and do you see one's more valuable than the other? I do. I, I don't I don't know if it is um that or I think another way I might look at it is is the brand something that is the brand strategy something the marketing owns or is brand strategy something that the business owns? I think that's a little bit what you're saying too is that the secondary situation that you outlined is really the driving strategy for the entity, right? And that's the brand strategy. And I think business owners wrongly relegate that to marketing. And while it's marketing's job to take the brand as it needs to be presented to each customer, you know, sort of lane and make sure that that message is presented appropriately, um, it's really not marketing's to define. It's the businesses to define, and it needs to closely intertwine with what the business strategy is. And it's really difficult to, I think, unbraid those two things. Um, and, yeah, like Marcom, marketing communications, is that first thing that you said. It's the tactical expression. It's the campaigns that we're running. And um, I think I think client, clients tend to have histories in one place, one camp or the other. They understand that it needs to be brand-driven. They understand that the corporate executives need to be involved in that. Or they've totally delegated all of that to the marketing department to really execute the brand through marketing campaigns. And then the brand becomes really uh, kind of listless. It's not grounded at anything because the marketing team is sort of left to figure out what they think is true because it's been so undefined by the leadership team. Do you ever say no? I mean, I'm, again, this is maybe a loaded question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want. But do you ever say no to business like you're a month into the sales cycle and you see that the cultural fit is just not there, that, that they're taking a much more tactical approach and throwing it over the fence to the Marcom group to figure this all out and the business will like kind of come along when they're good and ready? I mean, do you ever, I'm just curious if you run into those situations and if you ever actually say, you know what, we're not the right fit. Yeah, we do a lot. We we say no to about 80% of opportunities that come through our lead funnel and through our door. Um, we have different qualifying criteria, but one of them is um, access to the um, C-suite. And uh, we have to have interfaced with the president or CEO as part of the sales process for us to engage. And the reason is because we are – handling what we believe is the most valuable asset of the company, and that's the brand. And if they're not engaged and interested in who's going to be handling that as we make decisions to take it to market, um, we just have a values misalignment. And, you know, we're not mad about it. It's just true, and we're we're going to call that pretty quickly because we found it's really difficult for us to get the right context 
that we need and the right support from a leadership perspective to make some of those tough, you know, bold decisions that I was talking about earlier in the conversation. So, yeah, 100%. And, you know, my team feel, my team hears me all the time talk about having an abundant mentality that, um, instead of a versus a scarcity mentality. And when you have an abundant mentality, you can say, look, there's enough business out there for us. We need to find the best companies to work with and not just any company to work with. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. And so this, this leads me to, to one last question, Tiffany, and then uh, I'll let you kind of get back to your day here. But, you know, we've been talking a lot about your interaction with your clients and, and the marketplace that you, you're you in. But what about internally? Because, I, I again, a lot of uh, – leaders in your shoes want to enact these things internally, but because they're chasing business so hard and fast, sometimes it doesn't become as high a priority. And you mentioned earlier that, look, we have to, it's hard to get this kind of creative talent in, in, in-house that can you know, drive our purpose and connect value to, with our clients. So how are you doing that? How are you managing everything we discussed internally? And then what are, if you had to pick one, the one or two greatest challenges within that ability to kind of internalize it, what are they? Yeah, so we, um, you know, I always say that to my clients, I'll go first. Um, so I'll never ask them to spend a percentage of revenue that I haven't already spent. I won't ask them to invest in a strategy or tactic that we haven't already tried for our own brand. So I really see Element 3 as um, kind of my beta place where we try out lots of stuff so that we can make sure that when we recommend things to clients that we really understand what's going to happen um, or have at least had an experience with that type of a tactic. So um, that's one way. The other is I think we've put in a lot of processes over the last couple of years in making sure that our organization, as we've grown fairly quickly, has a lot of visibility not into our only into our you know, sort of noble why, like I said, uh, to write bold stories, but how that translates into our long-term and near-term business strategy, and then how that really influences our go-to-market strategy and the way that we're, you know, combining our sales and marketing initiatives together. So I really see it's my job to use Element 3 as a real teaching tool to help that organization understand trade-offs and investment and taking risks. And, you know, one of the things that's top of mind is we throw a conference every year in Indianapolis for about 500 marketers. And that costs me a lot of money for a company that's, you know, 40 people in size. But I think it's a really important sort of stress test to say we're making we're we're writing bold stories of our own and that's an important that event is, you know, part of helping our clients feel like they're part of something special, helping keep our brand really visible on the talent landscape, helping our out of town clients understand what's going on in Indianapolis and what's cool in kind of a city like ours. So it serves a lot of different business goals for us and um I think that's an example where um, I'm making a bold decision from an investment choice uh, as a brand, and and our my clients see that I'm I'm walking the walk as much as I'm sort of talking about it, and I think that's really important. I get crazy in here if we stop doing our own marketing. If we have a week that we got really busy and we didn't post a blog, or we start losing focus on our social media, I get crazy because I think it's an admission of if we stop doing it, then that must mean we don't think it works. And I know that's not true. It's just, it's easy to get distracted. And so those same, you know, behaviors that we 
teach our clients about, we're constantly fighting to make sure that that stays part of our fiber as well. That's great. I, I like that too. It's, uh, I, I did uh, a, a conversation with a gentleman who runs a uh, workforce improvement company, and he talked a lot about that, about, hey, if our values and our mission are X, then we can't just talk about them. You know, we have to walk the walk as well. So that's that's encouraging. So listen, we've been talking with Tiffany Satter. She is the president of Element 3. Uh, and the conference she re- uh, referenced is on June 22nd in Indianapolis. You can find it at goinboundmarketing.com. So if you're in that area, I'd encourage you to check it out. It's a great day of very valuable information. And you'll certainly leave charged up about how you can take some of what Tiffany's talking about and implement it in your own organization. So Tiffany, listen, I know you're, you're, you're busy, so I want to thank you. Uh, first of all, I love, always love your perspective. So thanks for that. And mostly thanks for taking time out of your morning to, to join me. Absolutely. Thanks, Bill, for having me.